Let's take our Bibles again. Turn over to the book of 1 John chapter 2. Again, we were there last week. Let's go ahead and back there. 1 John chapter 2. Again, just kind of a springboard to get us kicked off here. But 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. We're going to just read through verse 17 tonight. <clears throat> it's going to seem like, we got, uh, <clears throat> like we're playing hooky tomorrow, won't it? Yeah. Some of you don't know what the word hooky means. It means that you're skipping school. Yeah, years ago they used to call that, you know, and call it that, and uh, it's not probably a very popular term today. Excuse me. All right, let's go ahead and read it. First John chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If, a, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. <clears throat> and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And again, as we began last week, we were talking about the fact that this 
world here that's being referred to, love not the world, has to do with a world system that's in place. And that world system, we said, is comprised of a political system, an economic system, a social system, even a religious system. And we said that that whole system is headed up by one and only, the one and only Satan himself. And so in that sense, when we start talking about the world, we're talking about a system. And it's, uh, it's a system that's really, uh, you know, pretty intricate, if you will. I mean, he's in, in everything. He's in everything in our world today. And uh, we talked about the fact that this world and this, that there's a course by which this world travels. We learned in Ephesians 2, 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. The course of this world. And so we found that there was a course. And we said that that course that we travel, I mean, it, it, it ultimately leads to destruction. As you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 7, you can't help but note there's that narrow way, there's that broad way. And the fact is, is that the course that the world is set on is leading none other, to none other place than hell itself. They're literally going off into destruction. And so we, we noted that again. And then we went ahead and we said, but fortunately for us, thankfully for us, we are delivered from this present evil world. And we turn to Galatians chapter 1 verse 4 and where it says, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And boy, I'll tell you what, that was a wonderful day, wasn't it? And we talked about the fact that if you represent, and of course it wouldn't be me, it'd have to be you, representing this present evil world. So there we have you, okay, there you are, and all of a sudden the Bible says that in the life of the believer you've been delivered from this present evil world. Brother Cody, why don't you step out of that group there? You don't want to be a part of them anyway. They're evil. Okay, so there, God has delivered you, as the Bible says here, from this present evil world. And so as we noted that, we, we made that, that we, we understood that. We said that God says that we're not therefore to be conformed to the world then. And, and if we looked at the word conformed, of course, we know to be like, you know, to, to appear as, that kind of thing. And so Cody no longer is to look like the rest of you in the sense of how you behave and how you act and how you talk, how you live. What a testimony that was just a few moments ago about how our young brother was talking about how his heart was changed to the point where he didn't want to cuss anymore. He didn't want to talk dirty anymore. He didn't want to be like he used to be. Wait, I'll tell you why. Because he's been delivered from this present evil world and he's been told not to conform to this present world. And so he's watching God working in his life, who began a good work in him and will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And even as God said he's not to be conformed to the world, he goes on to say that he's to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So he's not just told not to be like someone or something, the world. He's to be like Jesus Christ. He's to look like Christ. He's to live like Christ. He's to act like Christ. He's to think like Christ. That's the admonition that we receive in the command that is given to us. We're to be conformed to the image of His Son. Thank you, Cody. You can go back to the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, you know, take the jacket off. You know, like take the gloves off. You know what I mean? It's off. It's on now tonight, you know? It's on, okay? So, this truth kind of kicks off our series, you know, and... And we said we were going to be dealing with the world and you. 
And the world in me. Not the world in me, but the world and me. You know, the world and you. And boy, I'll tell you what, unfortunately, the world in us is often the real problem, isn't it? But we'll see that there's going to be some things that we need to consider as a result of this truth that we've been, that we expressed earlier last week and that we made just, that we summarized here this evening. There's going to be some things we need to consider, a few significant truths that must be understood by you and I, the believer, if indeed we hope to be victorious in our Christian life. And it's nothing that probably you haven't heard along the way. But as I've said before, and as it's so important to understand, is that repetition is the key to learning. And so many times, if we're not careful, we get the idea, well, I know that. Well, we know that when we hear it, but we wouldn't think about it until we did hear it. Has there ever been, ever been a time when you're sitting and you're listening to preaching, and the preacher starts to quote a verse, and you go, oh, I know that verse. And you can almost say it with him. And maybe you do say it with him. But you haven't thought about that verse in how long? Well, I'll tell you what, every once in a while it's good to be reminded of some truths. And those truths, as we're reminded of them, help to ground us a little bit sturdier, more strong. And we're able to function and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ the way we ought to. So, tonight, let's have a word of prayer. And then I'm going to just begin to share just basic, simple truths that you and I must understand if we truly want to have victory in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. And we ask, Lord, that these simple truths that we'll discuss and that we'll consider, Lord, will truly help to uh, prepare us and ready us, Father, for the battle ahead. Lord, we need you. And we pray for your leadership in our life. And, Lord, we thank you that you've already given it to us. You live in us. And so, Lord, with that uh, promise already secured and settled, Lord, we know that there's no reason in the world why we can't have victory over the flesh and over the world. Bless us and help us, Lord, tonight. And Lord, be with those that are traveling or those that will be this week. I know many will be seeing family and friends. We do pray, Lord, that you'd watch over them. May they just have a wonderful time as they fellowship one with another. Lord, bless us now and help us tonight as we fellowship with you. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, one of those thoughts or one of those, um, I guess, uh, considerations is this. You must realize that if you live for Jesus Christ, you will encounter opposition from the world. You say, I know that. I know you do. And, and so, like I told you, nothing new here. Just a reminder of some things. If, if You and I have to realize this. We must be cognitive of this fact that if we live for Jesus Christ, we will indeed encounter opposition from the world. Now, I know we say we understand that. And I know that we, we, we'll, we'll say, no, I, I get it, and I, and I, lo- I know that, and, and I've heard that, and, 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 and I believe that. But, boy, I'll tell you what, when the opposition comes, we almost act as though, why? Why? What are you talking about? You know this. You've heard this. You believe this. But do we really understand it and, and really thought it through? I think it's always important that we are reminded. Because, listen, whether we want to believe it or not, if indeed we live for the Lord Jesus Christ, we will endure persecution, the Bible says. So as believers, we are called the children of light. That's a wonderful name, isn't it? The children of light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, turn there if you would, please. We are the children of light. 
I like that phrase. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a real fan of darkness. We was on the way over here, and, and I, I got in the car and had to back out of the uh, garage. I thank the Lord for a garage. Let me tell you that right now. Uh, if you don't have a garage, you are missing out on one of the seven wonders of the world. It's a wonder, especially in the winter in Ohio. It's an amazing thing to jump in your car, and that car is a lot warmer than it would be if it was sitting out, I promise you that. And there's no snow on it. You don't have to wipe off your windshield or, or do anything like that. You just jump in, and you hit that. In our case, we even got an automatic one. Boom, hit the button, and there it goes. And I just start backing out. <clears throat> Man, I like that. But I'll tell you what, I start backing out. It was so dark tonight. And I told my wife, I said, man, it is really dark. And she goes, it's always dark. It's nighttime. I said, but it's really dark tonight. <clears throat> and I said, there must not be any moon out there, right? It, I don't know. If the moon's out, it must be covered up or something because it was really dark. I'm backing up and I'm freaking out. I'm sure that that one lady around our block, she calls herself the mayor of the neighborhood. She's uh, riding around on her little cart. She rides around. She does it even at night. And I'm thinking, for sure, I'm going to back up and... And, and then, then the mayor will be gone forever. And, and I just think that'd be wonderful. And then I'd be responsible for killing the mayor of my neighborhood. But anyway, the fact is it was so dark I couldn't see. I don't like darkness. I go in my house. What's the first thing I do? I don't know about you. I start flipping lights on. I couldn't believe it. Today, we, uh, uh, Brother Brad was showing me the, uh, the nurseries. And uh, he had just finished up a room in down there, and him and Cody had been working on that some, and they got that feeding room. So all you ladies that have infants can go feed now. And so, you know, and, and you don't have to take up all the space in the nurseries and all that good stuff. So we got this nice room for you now. So no more complaining, ladies. So anyway, <clears throat> not that you did, not that you did, of course. But anyway, I, I just thought I'd throw that in. But uh, we, he went and showed me that room. You know, you know what? He, he put the light on. But it's, it's one of these, it's a really cool room. You want to know why? It's got a dimmer switch on it. it. Right beside the switch, there's a little dimmer thing. It is the most cool thing. Now, I'm, I'm just, I love light, right? So I'm flipping it all the way up. And, of course, he's dropping it down. Because, you know, the ladies need that aviance. You know, you're feeding your baby. You need to, that baby doesn't need all that light or something, I guess. I'm not sure how that works. He would know. I wouldn't. <clears throat> but so, so I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one of these fans of light. The Bible says that it ought to be that way for me, at least. Hey, listen, I'm a child of the light. I'm a ch- we're the children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye... Uh, now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I love that. In 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, he says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. But what a contrast God sets, uh, puts, puts in place here. A tremendous con- a contrast. I mean, we have darkness on one side, we have light on the other side, and it represents the world versus you and I in Christ Jesus. He is, the Bible says, while He was here, He is, was, should I say, was the light of the world. He's not here anymore. Guess who's the light now? The children of light. The children of light are. I mean, what a contrast. So we are opposites. The world and you and I as believers are opposite from one another from the world. That's an amazing truth. So the world's in darkness. We're in the light. That means that we will be 
there will be a constant internal battle raging in your life, first of all. It's going to happen. There's going to be warfare taking place. Because you're not who you used to be. And everything that you grew up with, everything that was natural to you, everything that was normal to you, is no longer natural. Listen, did you hear what I said? Oh, it's, it's the flesh now. It's the, it's the world. It doesn't belong in your life. And the fact is, is that there ought to be something so unique and different about who you and I are now in Christ Jesus that the world repulses us, that the world doesn't fit anymore, that it's not natural anymore. <clears throat> but not only an internal battle, but an external one as well. See, as we said, light and darkness are opposites, and therefore they cannot coexist. When you walk into a room, and let me tell you, this building gets really dark. We were talking to a gentleman today who was one of the gentlemen that worked on our HVAC. He was in here fixing one of our, um, some of the duct work that had, was broken. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you were upstairs, just uh, not this past Sunday probably, but the week before, it was like a, um, it was like a, furnace up there we couldn't understand why it was so hot up there so we did a little research on money started looking around and we realized that there was a duct that had broken open up in the ceiling of that room upstairs that was feeding the lower foyer down here so the foyer was cold and that room was just heating up we shut the heat off upstairs but it was still getting hotter and hotter and hotter it was almost up to 80 degrees up there and there was no heat on well, we found it. It was just a duck that was broken. But anyway, this gentleman, I, I don't know why I took all that time to tell you that, but nonetheless, we got to fix today, okay, by the way. It's all good to go, so it should be fine, all right? And if not, we can call him and have him come back and fix it, he told me. We'll take him up on that. So anyway, actually, I'm going to have probably one of our four and five-year-olds crawl around up there and destroy it just so we can call him back and get our money's worth. But nonetheless, <clears throat> the fact is, is that We'll be talking to you later, Jen, about that. Maybe you can do a search and destroy mission with about three of your kids. But um, <clears throat> the fact is, is, that, um, is that when you walk into this building, he was talking about how dark this building was and how eerie this building was. Any of you guys remember how it was when we first started? We demoed, we started demoing. And before we even demoed, there were all these rooms in the building. Remember how many rooms there were in the building? It was crazy. You'd come in here, you'd hear noises and sounds. And you're walking around... I don't know about you, but I was freaking out. I told the guys, I, I, I don't want to come sneak in here and pray. I had the key to the kingdom, right? I had a key. I'm ready to go in there. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is our church. This is our building. And I've got a key. I'm going to go up there and pray. And nobody around and pray. I turn the key, walk on in, get in the big area. And I'm like, there were no lights in here. Dark sounds that you never heard in your life. Mr. Jurgen would come up here and pray all night long. I'd come in here and about five, ten minutes later, I'm scurrying out the door thinking there's, you know, some mass murder in here. <clears throat> we did find some beds underneath the stage, by the way. Yeah, so there was somebody in here sleeping it off for a while, but I don't know, maybe it was Mr. Jurgen. But nonetheless, <clears throat> you know, the fact was is that, is that it, was, it was, you know, kind of scary because it was dark. I hate darkness. I like the light. And boy, I'll tell you what, the two cannot coexist. You flip the light on, there's no more darkness, there's light. Now I understand someone says, well, when you flip the light on, it's a real big room, there's still darkness. Yeah, well, where there's light, there's no darkness. I know I can't explain it to you then. I guess you'll have to figure that on your own. But uh, the fact is, is that 
They don't coexist. Therefore, we can expect opposition then. I mean, we're the children of light. And the Bible says there in Ephesians 5, 8, we, ye were sometimes darkness. Therefore, that means that those that aren't in Christ are darkness then in that, regard, in that, that sense. Well, we can expect opposition. Opposition means resistance or dissent. It's expressed in action or argument. It's resistance or dissent. Now, I, I, I kind of, I could have looked the word up a, a little bit more and maybe tried to dig in a little further. But what I thought was, what are some sim, synonyms to that word? Now, a synonym is a word or a phrase that means exactly or nearly the same as another word or phrase. Okay, so if I'm using the word, um, say, opposition, and I say, I want the synonym to opposition. Well, let me give you a few. Resistance. Hostility. Antagonism. Enemy. Wait. Enmity. Excuse me. Enmity. Antipathy. Objection. Dissent. Disapproval. Criticism. Defiance. Noncompliance. Obstruction. Those are synonyms to the word opposition. Did you hear those words? What's, what, what's a, a common theme in all of them? Anybody figure that out? I haven't figured it out exactly, but what I do know is this. It ain't good. It's not good at all. Resistance, hostility. Have anyone ever been hostile toward you? Anyone ever been antagonistic toward you? Have you ever felt any objection or dissent or disapproval? Have you ever found yourself being criticized? Hey, that's called opposition. And that's exactly what the believer can expect from the world that is still in darkness. And you know what? You will be opposed because Jesus Christ was opposed. Look, if you would, in John chapter 15, verse 18. You will be opposed because Jesus Christ was opposed. And again, this is nothing new. I, I know you know this. I understand that. But let's look at it for just a moment. John chapter 15, verse 18. <clears throat> it says there in verse 18, John 15, verse 18, beginning there, in, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Wow, isn't that something right there? Right off the bat. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, whether it's you or me or anyone else, we like to feel like we're not the only one that has to face a problem. We, we don't like to go through things alone. We don't want to feel isolated we want to feel like there are others in our same situation. One of the biggest things that I need to help people with when they come to counsel, especially if they've made a horrible error, or they're bound in some kind of vice or sin, I need to help them to understand you are not the only one. There's something liberating about realizing that you're not the only one. And in this particular case, he speaks to us, you and I, the believer today. And in the early church, we know that they were being persecuted and maybe even dying for their faith. And he says, listen, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You're not the only one. Matter of fact, it was me first. He goes on to say, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. 
But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Again, that kind of goes back to that passage that we noted earlier over in the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. Notice he, he says, therefore, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Well, I'll tell you what, the Lord's laying it down there pretty good, isn't he? He's laying it down pretty good. He's making it very clear. Now, listen, he's saying, I'm going to tell you something. You might as well mark it down. You can take it to the bank. It's a done deal. If they hate you, you might as well figure it. They've already hated me. Don't, don't think that's something rare. Don't think that's something unusual. Don't think that's an isolated case or event. No, that is something that you can expect. If they hate you, they've already hated me. And if they hated me, guess what they're going to do to you? Hate you. Well, that's something. It's hard to imagine people hating Jesus, isn't it? I mean, hating Jesus. Jesus who never sinned. He never even sinned. See, it's funny, you know, as the pastor, you know, there are sometimes folks, uh, just like in your job or possibly even in your home, where folks will look at you and say things like, well, they did, said this, or they did that, and they did... Blah, 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 blah. And you go... What? You're like, oh, what are they talking about? I never said that. That, And if I said something, I didn't mean it that way. And uh... Hey, guess what? With Jesus, there is no way in the world He said anything wrong. Ever did anything. With you and I, maybe, maybe, possibly, just maybe. Maybe we did do something maybe amiss. Maybe we said something and it came out wrong. Maybe we did something and it didn't turn out the way we intended. Maybe our motives were right, but it didn't end out, end up the way we wanted it to. Not with Jesus. There is no way in the world they could legitimately hate Him. He did nothing at all wrong. He never sinned. All He did was go about doing good. I mean, Jesus healed and helped everyone in His path. And yet, they not only threatened Him, but sentenced Him to die. It's amazing, isn't it? How can that be? You ever thought about that? How is it that they could hate Jesus? I mean, if He's everything that He claims to be, and we believe He is. I mean, if He loved everybody like He says He did, and as He demonstrated, as He went about doing all that good and meeting the needs of the people that there were there at that time when He walk the face of this earth, how is it that people could honestly come to the conclusion that he was not a good man, that he was a bad person, that he deserved death? How is it possible? Well, I believe one of the reasons why is this. Jesus threatened their position. He, he threatened their power and their preeminence, their prominence. He threatened those things in their life. He threatened their way of life. And you got these Pharisees, these Sadducees, and all these religious men walking around. And boy, I tell you what, they seem to be doing the right things in the eyes of people. Maybe even their own eyes, of course. And, and Jesus is going to point out some error, some hypocrisy that lies in their life. He's going to ultimately change the whole 
process of how to come to God. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you had to go from the, you know, the, the holy place, uh, from the, from, from the, uh, courtyard to the holy place and then into the holy of holies. And when you got in the Holy of Holies once a year, that priest, that high priest, would then make an offering, a sacrifice, uh, some blood we put placed upon the, the, the mercy seat on behalf of the, 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 the nation of Israel. And for one year, it would cover that sin until Christ Himself, the perfect Lamb of God, would come and offer the perfect and only one-time necessary offering. But here's the problem. These priests in these these men of God, they had this religious system in place that to them was their livelihood. It gave them their authority. It gave them all kind of power. And Jesus Christ is saying, listen now, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It's not going to go through you anymore as a priest. They don't have to come to that temple to find me. They don't have to go to the holy place and then in the holy of holies. They don't have to depend on you anymore. And they said, we hate you. We hate you. We hate you. I want to tell you something. Well, the world's going to hate you. And here's why they're going to hate you. And here's why they're going to hate me. Because we are going to threaten their way of life. We say to them, it is wrong to live like you're living. It's wrong to think like you think. It's wrong to be like you are. God, help us to live according to the Word. And they say, we hate you for that. You're trying to take my life away. You're trying to change how I think and how I feel. I want to do what I want to do. And that's why they hate us. That's why you don't really have to say a whole lot sometimes. Sometimes it's just your presence at the family outing. Sometimes it's just your presence at the, 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 the office party. Just you being there, people feel uncomfortable and people feel like they can't be themselves while you threaten their way of life. It's called conviction. When you really think about it again, that's what Christianity represents to the lost. You say, we, Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you on a gold, cruel cross and He shed His precious blood so that you could have your sin washed away. I want nothing to do with Him. You want to know why? He threatens their way of life. They know, if they know anything about the Bible, if they know anything about the Word of God, that that means there's going to be a life change. They don't want life change. Now, if they can have Christ and still have their life, they're okay with Him. Good, I'll take Jesus as long as I don't have to change. Can I tell you that's unfortunately what we see many times in lives? Hey, there has to be a real attitude of repentance. Now listen, don't get all bent out of shape about the word repentance. It's in the Bible. There has to be a change. Not only in mine, but ultimately there ought to be a change of heart in our life. My God moved into our heart. Shouldn't there be a change? Shouldn't there be something different? Trust Christ and all of a sudden we act like, well, we just add him to our list of gods. He's about as important to me as Roger Goodell is. Because Roger Goodell, of course, takes over the NFL and the NFL is about the most important thing in my life come football season. Are you kidding me? Well, I tell you what, you will be opposed because Jesus Christ was opposed. 
And you know what? You will be opposed as you live for Him. It's as you live for Him. Take your Bible, look at 2 Timothy 3.12, and we're almost done. 2 Timothy 3.12. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, we read a very familiar passage once again. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I mean, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you and I go along with the world, no one's going to oppose you. You'll fit like a glove. You'll be accepted. You'll be embraced. Silently disagreeing will not invoke their wrath. You can, in the privacy of your home, talk about the things you don't agree with. Mention how you have a different opinion than they have. Stand up while you're in your home with just your wife. Nobody will know the difference. Nobody will oppose you. You'll be fine. But go ahead and take a stand out in the world. Take a visible stand for His principles. A visible stand for His position. A visible stand for His place. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, why why are you shoving that down our throat? It's funny. They can have opinions about everything. Anything. The moment you stand up in a visible way and say, Thus saith the Lord. They say, Why are you shoving that down our throat? Why do you think you're better than the rest of us? What is that about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's called, they hated him, therefore they're going to hate you. You jeopardize their way of life. You're going contrary to what they feel and what they want and what they desire. The world is in darkness. Why would they think the way you think that's in the, and when you're in the light? Man, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know about you, but when you walk into this building and you, you, you just leave all the lights off and you come into the auditorium, I'm going to tell you something. You better watch where you walk. There are steps everywhere. These guys, some of the young guys, I mean, some of these young staff guys, they come in here and they just open them doors, run over there, and they run down those steps and flip the lights all on. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like going, I, I, I feel like Abbott and Costello, you know. You know, you ever see those guys walking around, you know, especially Costello. I just happened to see Abbott and Costello in, the fr- in, in Frankenstein the other day, just a little bit of it, you know. And he's just walking around, you know. That's how I feel in this building. Let me tell you, you want to know why? Because there's darkness and I can't see a thing in front of me. Boy, you flip the light on, all of a sudden, man, it's boom. You know what? That's how it should be with us. We should see things the way they really are. We're the children of light. We have the Word of God. We have the truth at our disposal. They're in darkness. They don't know what's best for them. They don't know what's right for them. They don't even know what they need. We do. And if we stand up, and we raise this banner high, you will be opposed. 
as we close, I want you to ask yourself a real probing question. It's a question that I think of sometimes, and it's kind of uh, humbling to me, and it's sobering. How much opposition do you really receive? How much opposition do you really receive? I'll be honest with you. I work real hard trying not to make people upset. And I think you ought to. I don't think you should ever go in the world trying to get people upset. Get them mad. You shouldn't say things to hurt or harm people. You shouldn't say things to get their goat. You shouldn't say things, I'm right and they're wrong and I'm going to prove it. That attitude's wrong already. But just in the course of life, as we take the truth into the world, as we stand up for what He, the Lord Jesus Christ, says is truth, we're going to have opposition. So the question is, how much opposition do we really experience? Maybe we need to be a little bit more vocal and visible with Him and His Word. Because like He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The truth is, I probably ought to be experiencing a little more persecution than I do. Not because I look for it, not because I go out trying to cause it, but just because He's so ingrained in my heart, I can't keep my mouth shut about truth, about right, about Him who is holy and righteous. Father, we come to You. We thank You, Lord, for all that You do for us. And 